want you to stay standing for the reading of the word. And I want to share something with you. This is in Malachi. Since you're standing, you don't have to turn there. But when you get to it later, it's at the end of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. You know where Matthew's at, right? Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, before Jesus shows up, he says this in verse or chapter 3, verse, let's read 10 through 12. Bring all the tithes, everybody say all, all. into the storehouse or the Lord's house that there may be food in my house and try me everybody say test me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out uh, pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it i believe god's about to open up the heavens over your life new opportunities new direction, new words, new blessing, new favor, new stature. I believe God's about to break down what the enemy's been trying to keep you captive with, and God's about to open up heaven over your life. Somebody say, I'm ready. Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. God's going to open up the windows of heaven that divine opportunities come to you. And then he says this, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations, oh, I want to preach right here. No, Drake, not just your home. No, no, Omar, not just your family. No, America, not just you not just Arizona, but all the nations will be blessed. Why? Because there's a people of God arising in this place that say, no, no, it's not just for me and my foreign no more. All the nations, because God doesn't work in small things. God, God, See, God will do small things to show you he loves you. And God can do, God will take small things be, and make them big packages because he'll take a little baby and it'll be explosive and change the whole world. And he'll take the smallest thing, but he, does, he works in big, mighty ways. And he wants to change the whole nation. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe. He said, for you will be a delightful land. I love that. Isn't that what we need right now in our nation, in our world? Where, where is the delight gone in our life? You will be a delightful land. And who says? Says the Lord of hosts. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your manna from heaven. We thank you that you called us here for such a time as this to receive a good word. Come on, don't just watch me pray. I want you to pray too. Don't act like you don't know how to call in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you are here in this place. Something miraculous is going to happen today. And I believe that this is just the beginning. I believe that this is just the beginning of something new. And Lord, I pray you'd move, shake something in us today. We're not here to be observers and spectators. We're here to engage. And I thank you, God, Lord, that our discipleship has called us off the sidelines of life 
into the game, into a realm and a new dimension of activation that we've never seen before. And I thank you, God, that where fear once dwelt, now there is hope. Where there once was discouragement and doubt, there is now faith. And now where I used to count myself out because I didn't know if I could do it, God, you're speaking into so many people right now. They've got what it takes. They've got what they need. All they need to do is step in faith. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we're here to receive a good word from heaven. And I pray you'd anoint me for the assignment in which you have me on here today. And let me flow with the Holy Spirit and speak your will and not my will. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Yeah, you can give God some praise as you do. Uh, so thankful to be here with you today. So thankful for what God is going to do here today. Um, God is going to do something phenomenal. I want to welcome some very special people. Um, all of our guests, thank you for being here today. Can we give a hand for all of our guests? Come on, Bridge Church, put your hands together. Act like you love people. And then uh, we want to greet uh, everybody who's streaming online with our home groups uh, from Montana to Florida. Uh, our home churches there and then our home churches in Mojave, our home churches in California. Come on, Bridge Church, two years old, and we got home churches across the nation. Come on, come on, put your hands together. Awesome, good to have you. And then the last, I want everybody to get into just an uproar about this because I went down and preached to the prison, uh, uh, one of our prisons on Friday and 50 men gave their life to Jesus and all of them streaming in today. Come on, show some love. Both of our prisons. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, Josh. Lead the way, young man. Lead the way. Uh, so excited. That's, the, that's, that's what we get excited about. We, I don't, you don't get excited if the band does everything right. You don't get excited if the screens look great. You don't get excited about anything. We shouldn't get excited. We get, in America, and in our society, in our culture, in our world today, we get excited about the wrong things. We need, what, what, you know, because we celebrate. I, we, when somebody loses or gets buff, Dre, you're super buff, dude. Look at this, dude. This guy's ripped. I, one day when I grow up, I'm going to be as buff as Dre. But you, you, when, I'm telling you, when you, uh, we celebrate, right? We celebrate, when somebody loses weight or gets in shape, we celebrate. But we don't celebrate their consistency. We don't talk to them two months later and say, oh, my God, look at you. You're still thin. Right? We don't, we don't like, oh, my gosh, church is still growing. Oh, great. We celebrate when we have spurts of growth and we celebrate when we have spurts of salvations. This year, uh, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of salvations this year year people and God is doing a phenomenal work and come on I just got through saying this is what we celebrate if y'all aren't catching on by now do I have to preach by myself today let's preach together because God's got something great for you and then I want to bring somebody up come on up here uh, young man Jacob he's representing a group that's here with us Get up. yeah some of you are familiar other people call him Jesus. We call him Jacob. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, sacrile Thor. There we go, Thor. But you're not that big. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're on tour. You're on tour. You can't build, right? You can't bulk. It's not bulking season. It's true. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he represents an incredible group here. I just want to take a moment, introduce your group, and then let people know why you're here and what you're doing. And then tell them how many salvations your group has seen just this in this first tour. Okay. What's up, church? Uh, how you doing? Yeah, so some of you may have seen me. We were here last uh, October. Uh, it was kind of a random moment. Um, 
I won't go into it, but basically we're getting coffee with Pastor Landon, and he looks across the table and he says, we're supposed to drive back to California. And he looks at me and goes, I think you should stay for a few days. Uh, What if you just stay and I'll buy your flight back and whatnot. So I'm just so thankful for Pastor Landon and Emily uh, just believing in us. First of all, you know, honor where honor is due, right? I grew up in church, I know. Uh, But no, I am part of a uh, a team called Carry the Love. Uh, So Carry the Love team, do you want to stand up real quick? Just so everyone can see. So this is our team, and basically, uh, we're only one of like 14 teams now. There's about 300 of us uh, traveling across America and Europe, uh, and we're going to the college campuses and high schools uh, and just preaching the gospel. Um, And Carry the Love is our campaign, and basically, uh, simplified, it is to inspire a generation to live and to love like Jesus. Uh, And so that's what we're doing. So we have been on the road for four weeks. This team has been in Southern California, L.A., Orange County, San Diego, and now we're going through Arizona and then across to New Mexico, and then we'll go to Texas, Louisiana, and Alabama. So that's just this team, but there's 14 other teams, and in the last four weeks, uh, we've seen uh, a little over 17,000 college students uh, gathered, uh, and from that... We've seen uh, just over 1,400 salvations in four weeks. So, yeah, we can celebrate, like you were saying. Uh, and then on top of that, God has just been working in miraculous ways. We've seen uh, 291 physical healings. Uh, we've seen suicide interruptions, uh, just everything. God is working people free from depression, anxiety, uh, so much. So God is working. The harvest is ripe. Amen. All right, love you, man. Love you. Great job, just an incredible group. Um, you know, when I used to travel when I was their age, and we would do the same thing and tour, and we would go do church services and outreaches and school assemblies and everything. Uh, you know what? There would be other pastors who would invite us in, and churches, some churches would be welcoming, some churches would be kind of welcoming. I want you to love them after service. Give them big hugs. Get, get what we would call in the Pentecostal world a hallelujah handshake. And so these are young college students. So if you don't know what a hallelujah handshake is, let me explain that. You get a little money in your hand, and then you walk up to them. And when you give them a handshake, you give them a little money with it. Amen? Come on, church. No, put your hands together. We're a generous church. If you're one of those people who doesn't tip well at restaurants, that's why you weren't clapping. But we tip well here, right? We, we, we take care of people. And, and we bless people, right? That's what we do. I I don't leave my friends stranded. I don't leave people I love needing, wanting, when I have plenty. Amen? So that's that's for a later time. Uh, I do need to do a little housekeeping. One thing, there's a card in your seats close by you, a white card. So look at the white card, and I want you to fill that out for me. Yep, thank you. If you've got that white card, let me see you have it. You just need one per group or one per person, per household. So I want you to fill that out for me right now, and this is why. We're going to four services. Every service is full. So what we want to do, all our three services. So what we want to do is make sure that we are good stewards with where we're going. We don't want to have one service with ten people and then all three services are packed, right? We want to balance out our services so that way we make sure everybody who comes into this house has the same wonderful experience. And so this is wisdom with stewardship. And so I need you to fill that out for me. And then if you don't volunteer here, 
circle the service you plan on attending. Just take a guess if you're not for sure. Circle that service. If you do serve here, which by the way, Jacob, we just had team night this Monday night, and it was getting the game last Sunday, and my goal was 100 new volunteers in one Sunday, and we got 75 new volunteers. Come on. In one Sunday, y'all better get excited. That's something to get excited about. There's never been a church in Flagstaff history that's seen a 75 volunteer increase in one day. That, that's phenomenal growth. So I want you to, we're, we're, we're preparing. So if you do serve here, if you're on the team, like next service, we have a bridge course, which is packing out the cafe. And everybody's going to, we have another whole huge group of people becoming members, or we call them all-ins, here at Bridge Church. And that's happening next service. Some of you are those. And so I want you to circle that. If you are a team member and you're planning on serving, circle one that you're going to serve in and the one you're going to attend. Hear me now. Some of you are like, what? Church all morning? Let me tell you. The reason why you do this is because it's for your own health. If you serve only and don't sit and get fed, you're going to get burnt out and bitter. And if you only get fed and don't serve, you have only have inlets and no outlets and you become a cesspool. So you need to be able to have both of those in your life. And it's healthy and you're worth it to stay here for two services. Okay? Awesome. So, uh, ushers, I hope I've given you plenty of time to fill that out real quick. I want everybody to do this, except for our group who doesn't live here. Um, so don't, don't throw us off by throwing numbers in there. But we want everybody to do this in-house uh, to go ahead and circle that for us, okay? So, ushers, will you come through and start passing the buckets to collect those? Uh, and so that way we can pick those up. All right. Amen. Housekeeping's done. Now we can get back into the word and what God has for you today. Uh, if you are already done filling that card out, get your note out, get your notes out and get your Bible out uh, because we're a note-taking church. Amen. Amen. We're a note-taking church. Amen. amen. Okay. There's two things we do here. We're an expressive church. We know how to say a good amen and we know how to take good notes because we're a reflective church. So you need two parts in your life. You can't just be an expressive Christian and write and hoop and holler and praise and thank God all the time and prophesy and speak in tongues and never take notes. If you don't take notes, you don't take what God says to you seriously. Where would we be if no one, there's your Bible, if no one took what God said to them seriously? So you need to take it seriously because until you do, God won't take you seriously. So take what God is speaking to you today seriously. So write down Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. That's where we started. And I want to kind of set the stage, and then we're going to go to Genesis chapter 14. We may even talk a little bit about Adam and Eve. And then we're going to come back to Malachi, where I want to share five principles for every single person of living in a new room. That's the title of my message today, New Room. Everybody say New Room. New room. Come on, everybody say New Room. New room. So we have this new room that God has called us to. And we, I kind of touched on it last week. And I used the, the scripture in Proverbs that a man's gift makes room for him. Makes room for him and puts him before great men. 
but you got to utilize your gift. you got to fuel your gift, and there's a difference between the gift and the gifted. I can have a great gift, and my gift can put me in places that my maturity can't sustain me, but that doesn't mean I'm not meant to be there. The gift will put me there, but my maturity needs to grow there. So when God puts me in a new dimension, in a new place, the first thing I need to do as a new person in a new place is shut my mouth and listen, is I don't need to be the first one to speak. See, I always used to be that guy, the first one to talk. I was a trash talker on the court. I was the first one to open my mouth because I thought I had something to say. And then I learned over the years of, of trial and error, right, learning heuristically. And we don't need to learn heuristically. We need to learn vicariously. Don't learn through all the hard knocks, right? You don't need to learn through trial and error. You need to learn through the process of just learning through others. And I don't need to get a hard knock and learn a difficult lesson and look like the idiot in the room. In fact, if you are the idiot in the room, no one will know you're the idiot as long as you keep your mouth shut. The Bible says you're only known as the fool until when you open your mouth. So keep your mouth shut and you can look really smart, baby. So you, you, get, you get in this new room and this new dimension and God helps you learn and helps you grow. And then now we see that there's this other new room and it's through this covenant. Now there's a, the old covenant and new covenant, but a covenant simply means a binding agreement of promise. So God you, will enter into an agreement with us spiritually and there are unilateral covenants and there are bilateral covenants that God makes with us. A unilateral covenant is something that Jesus did for us. And you became an heir. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't, have, you didn't deserve it. But it's a, it's a unilateral covenant that I just, if I'm alive and I'm breathing, I get to partake in it. I'm an heir, right? A bilateral covenant the Bible is full of. And let me explain it in one phrase and it'll be easy to understand. The Bible is full of this, these kind of sayings. If you, then I. And so I want you to write that down under bilateral covenant because I want you to understand that a bilateral covenant, a binding agreement of promise, is an agreement to say, if you, then I. And so he starts off with a, if you tithe, bring the tithe, a tithe, and I'm going to talk more about this, to my house. No, I, I didn't say the Red Cross. I said, to my house. When you bring it to my house, when you bring it to my house, in the, I'm going to put it like this, into my room. When you bring it to my room and you, I bring you in this room, and because we haven't left yet, I'm going to do these five different blessings for you. And that's what God, I'm going to speak to you about, but I need to first start off by laying the foundation. Is that okay? Can I teach a little bit and then we'll preach a little bit in a minute? Because when you understand tithe, uh, if, in fact, first off, you need to have understanding. The Bible says, as you're getting all these wonderful good things, above all, get understanding. See, we have, we're, we're going to be in trouble when we run into a brick wall when we've taught a generation and generations and generations that all they need to do is shout and holler and praise and love the worship music and just vibe with Jesus and move with Jesus and just however you feel. We're going to be in a difficult position when they have no understanding for who God is and his word and his ways because then they're going to be making up all their own directions instead of standing on the foundation for which he had already paved. Amen? You go ahead and give God some praise there. Now, we need understanding. So then not only do we need understanding, we need to understand what tithe is. Because a lot of people hear tithe, and they hear money, and they think they get nervous. Now, tithe does mean money, yes, but it more than that means 
first increase. So it means of all your gaining, of all your increase, the first belongs to me. Tithe means tenth. Everybody say tenth. It's just 10%. And there's a reason God chose 10%. There are reasons. One of the reasons God chose 10% is because it's equal to all. A tithe to you is the same as tithe for me. It's not greater for you or lesser for me. Somebody who has a lot of money pays just as much tithe as you pay tithe with little money. So the tithe is indifferent. So people who say, I've got so much, I don't know if I can give that much. It's the same as the person who has nothing and gives anything they've got and they tithe. Now, and it puts us all on the same playing field to say no one is greater or lesser than the other. So you see what I'm saying? So we ought to understand first what tithe is. And and tithe is 10 and 10 is the, the numerical uh, uh, the numerical kind of pinnacle for our numerical system. So when you talk about 10, 10 is the, the ending before the new beginning. So I have, when, just like in music, when I have in music, you have, have different octaves, but you have eight notes. And by the time you get to the end of the eighth note, you get to a new octave. When you get to the end of 10, you add the number one, you have a new beginning. You hear me? Is this okay? So when you get to the new beginning, what you're saying by putting in the tithe, when you come in here and you put the tithe in him, you're saying, God, I've gotten as far as I could at that level of my life. And I'm ready for a new beginning, and I'm ready for a new direction, and I'm ready for the next level in my life. God, come on, is this good? I need you to get me ready for what's coming. You see? So tithe is so important. And tithe, the other part of that, tithe represents. I want you to write that down. Tithe is a representation. So I need 10 volunteers really quick. Raise your hands, raise your hands. Ten volunteers. First ones that raise your hand, just jump up here. One, two, three, four. Come on, Jacob. Five, six, seven, eight. Are y'all for real? I'm about to call a couple of you out who aren't looking at me. Nine, ten. There we go. We're, oh, there we go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Do we have enough? Make sure we have ten. Make sure we have ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Too much, Josh. Sit down. Okay, no, no, no. You're up there. We got you up there. We're your trap now. So I want you to, I'm a very, I'm a visual learner too. So I want you to see this too, you know, because a lot of people they are like, well, what's a tithe if I make this or I make that. And math becomes a difficult equation when it talks, when it comes to giving, but when it comes to receiving somehow these geniuses pull out their mathematical skills when they go to the store and the dress is 33% off. And they're like, no, no, the dress should be $26 and 78 cents because you already did the math in your head. But somehow you can't do the tithe. That's for later. But you, we, so what we do is when we give a tithe, I take the first. In fact, you're not the first, you're the middle. Right to left. You're the first. Come here. When I take a tithe, I take the first and I give it to the Lord. And this becomes, listen, this is very, very, very important. This becomes a representation of the rest. Okay? So now, because this, it's not saying that this is blessed and not the rest. It's saying because of the first, the rest are blessed. Because of the representation of what you gave me, I will bless the rest. And so tithe becomes the very pinnacle picture of, the perfect picture of 
representation. Give it up for our group because I'm going to go further. Go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. I want you to take notes. So he becomes the representation. Now, let me tell you, if you don't think God is big on representation, we are all in huge trouble. Some of you theologians know where I'm going. If, we, if God is not big on representation, I'll tell you why. We are all in dire trouble because we are, every single one of us, going to burn in hell. Every single one of us will end up going to hell if we don't believe that God is big on representation. Because my Bible says, check me if I'm right, that Jesus became the propitiation or the representation for all mankind. And he became the first fruits, y'all hear me, of many to come. And the reason I, whoo, Holy Spirit, I feel you in this place. The reason I can live blessed is because he became my representation on the cross. The reason I am able to live this way from the back corner to the front, I'm here to tell you, God died, Jesus died died for your sins so that he became the representation of the rest and he sacrificed he became the first fruits of many to come the bible says and that's what god has called us to do so many people they get skeptic all oh, the church just wants your money all oh, the church just wants your stuff all oh, the church just wants you to take care of and they get all bitter and butthurt because they were giving for the wrong reasons and they, they, they decided to live in a curse rather than the blessed life. And they were coming as giving unto a house or giving unto a building or giving unto a preacher. Or, you know, you, if I just bought, because I, that's why we took the offering first. Because I'm not here to preach you into a frenzy to where you decide to tithe today for the first time and the last time. I don't care about your money. I don't want your money. I want God's blessing in my life. I'll keep going without your money and I'll continue to do ministry if you never gave another dime in this house because my God shall supply all of my needs. No, no, he didn't put your name in there. He said my needs according to his riches. He doesn't need you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. And if you allow him to, man, I'm not even to my five points and Josh is already coming up, man. I'm, if I don't get to all this today, we're going to finish next week. Because I'm not, I'm not even to the next passage, let alone coming back and preaching the five points. But he, it's huge. It's a huge under, you have to catch this. Oh, I'm going to take my jacket off. Because I'm getting hot. Some people think I'm salty, but I'm really just a savage. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I, don't, I, I don't care what people think of me, nor do I care what every, uh, if, I, if it was all about whether, if I came up here and was nervous to preach to you about tithe and money, I shouldn't be preaching. <laughs> right, let me go a little bit further. It, 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 there are preachers and pastors and leaders and deacons and elders and staff members and missionaries and evangelists who, uh, who receive from the church but never tithe into their own church. And the, and the reason there's no revelation coming from them is there's no obedience in them. 
and you'll never have a revelation beyond the level of obedience that you have in your life. The level of obedience that you have in your life because you had a pastor or a coach or a mentor or a father or a mother or some spiritual person in your life that says, hey, I'm not going to let you settle for anything less. I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if you get mad at me. I'd rather you get pissed at me and get all good and hatred at me and still try to strive to get your relationship with God right and drive you in that direction than go ahead and try to appease you and pacify you and let you know, oh, you don't, you know, because what, what do pastors do? Pastors are like when people come to them and say, well, I just don't make enough and I, I don't have enough. And they're like, well, God doesn't want you to struggle. So oh, you don't have to worry about tithing. And you know what that pastor did in that moment? He became God to them. Because now I'm going to determine your needs instead of God meeting your needs. And now instead of needing faith, you only need me. And instead of a conversation with God, you got a conversation with a man. And instead of being satisfied, you just got pacified again. And you're going to continue to live in the cycle of destruction and the curse until you decide to live in the blessed life that God has called you. Because somebody was savage enough to walk up and say, oh, no, you don't. You better come out of that seat. You better come out of that complacency. You better come out of those excuses. Because I'm calling you into something greater for you. Quit settling for less. Come on, church. I need somebody to help me preach, Jacob. It's huge. It, it is so important. It's so massive. Uh, and I wish I could just get even more into it today. But God is so big on representation. He's, he's like, oh, man, I, I want to set this up for you. Just let me pay the price you can't pay. Let me bless the rest, because if you can't live off a hundred, you can. <laughs> Come on, you 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 can live. I, I can bless ninety and make it like hundred and eighty, right? But if you can't live off of a hundred cursed, you, you can live off a of ninety blessed. And God wants to flip the script for you and start changing the way you see things. And, and it happened all the way at, by the way, at the Garden of Eden. Let's go there next. The Garden of Eden, all the way back. So some people try to they try to stump a pastor. They're like, well. Pastor, tithe is in the old covenant and the old law. And I'm like, eh, wrong. Read your Bible again. Because not only was it before through Abraham to Melchizedek, we'll get there in a minute, and then to Moses and the Mosaic law, but before that, it was with Adam and Eve, and I'll prove it to you. Okay, so God creates Adam. And then what does he do? Oh, he needs a helpmate. He creates Eve. Creates Eve, and he says, okay. Live, love, right? Be naked together, right? Just have fun. Come on, y'all. I'm going to slap Adam when I get to heaven. I'm like, you ruined it for everybody, man. All we had to do was just don't touch. You had one job, bro. One job. He had the whole garden. And listen, listen. He had everything. And God said, don't eat this one thing. Now, in the Old Testament, when he represented tithe, it was through, it was through sacrifice of animals. Okay? And he said, no one's allowed to eat of this because this is only what I can consume. So this is meant for me to consume only. Don't touch it or you'll be cursed. He said... This is all yours. I want you to have fun. I want you to be blessed. 
Come on, I want you to drive that nice car. I want you to have something. I want you to wear that new pink leather jacket and look all serious. I want you to look good. I want you to come in here looking stylish, a GQ like, well, I was about to call you Hemsworth, but a mini Hemsworth. I, I, I want you to come in. I want you to feel good, feel confident, feel strong. I want you to have all these things, but there are certain things that are holy and set apart that only I should consume, and it's not good for you to do that. Please let me have the first. It's not for him. It's for you. And he says, don't touch it. And, 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 and of course, Adam messed it all up. And Adam, Adam, Adam ate and consumed. Oh, what is the end? So, oh, can I talk about the devil for just a little bit? See, the devil in the Garden of Eden, the devil comes up. And what does he do? Because before they ate of it, the devil walks up. Jacob, come on, you're a theologian. He walks up. Sorry, not walks. Slithers up. He's a little serpent. There you go. See? And then he slithers up and he says, hey, if you eat of that, you'll be like God. You'll have it all. Isn't that man's number one temptation? And he got Eve to take of it and Adam to spend the rest. And, and the enemy's going to do this for you. Says, There's something huge you got to learn here. Because the devil can kick him out of the garden. Uh oh, y'all, somebody hear me? The devil couldn't kill them. Satan couldn't, he was a serpent. He obviously probably, he, maybe, I'll just take a guess. He might have had poison. He couldn't kill him. He couldn't kill him. He couldn't touch him. Couldn't kick him out of the garden. Couldn't do anything to him. He couldn't even curse them. Oh, somebody hear me right now. You think that witchcraft or other religions or other, uh, other things that are spoken over you and demonic things that are casting curses over you, they can't hold a candle to God's blessing over your life? It's like the doctrine of Balak that Balak tried to curse and curse and curse. And he said, you cannot curse what God has blessed because God is speaking a blessing over your life when you operate as a tither and you come in as a tither and you put God first and you get in the right space with God and you sow into the kingdom and you sow into God God says no one can touch you you are mine you are blessed because the devil can't curse what God blesses but he is going to try to get you to curse yourself that is his number one tool can I deceive you enough to curse yourself that is his number one job in the world today. Oh, you don't need to give to the church. No, they just, it's all about them. God, oh, how about this? God doesn't need your money. Because then again, what is the focus being shifted on? As if it's for God when it's for you. And you have to understand that God is trying to shift your paradigm and get you into a realm of leadership that you vestigiate in this process and get to the top and understand that God is calling you not to live like the rest, but to live at your best. And the only way you can do that is if you put him first. And if you send as a representation, God, this is what I have to offer. I'm putting you first in my life. Now the rest can be blessed. And Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham tithed. We don't have time to get there. Why don't you write this down? Genesis chapter 14, verse 14. Read all the way till... 20. And he, Abraham, has a victory. And you know, I'm going to read it. I'm going to take, I'm going to read it. Go to Genesis. In fact, put it on the screen if you can. Genesis chapter 14 for me. 
Is up there? Great. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 servants who were born in his house and went to pursue as far as Dan. Now he's talking about his lot. He's going after Lot and he's going after these guys who were taken captive. And I, I, can't, I don't have time to go into the whole picture, but Lot was not supposed to be with them. Abraham was living on disobedience when he brought Lot with him and took Lot. But God's, now he's in trouble again, so Abraham goes to help him. And watch this. He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah which is north of Damascus keep going so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and people God gave him the victory when it was his fault to begin with and Abraham tithed to God because you want to know why he tithes See, a lot of people think that we tithe because, you know what, God's forcing me or making me. No, no, no. I'm tithing and putting God first. I worship and I praise God just like Abraham because I'm winning battles I should not win. I'm living in a blessing that I should not be living in. Come on, somebody. I, I feel, I believe there's somebody in here who lives like me and says, I should not be this. No, no. I know there are people in the sound of my voice that you are living more blessed than you deserve. You are living more victorious than you deserve you're living more favor than you really earned and God Abraham the reason why he tied to Melchizedek a theophany unto the Lord a king and a priest and he was the king of Salem which would soon become the area of Jerusalem which means the foundation of peace and so he speaks he gives a tithe to him because he's saying, I know I should have gotten killed. I know I shouldn't have made it here today. I know I should be dead in a ditch. I know I shouldn't have lived this long. I know I shouldn't be this blessed. I know I shouldn't be this happy. I don't deserve all this peace, all this joy, all this love, all these blessings he wants, all these kids. Can I tell you why God gives you kids? Because of the scripture back in Malachi says that I'm going to pour out a blessing and I'll get to this next week, that you cannot contain. Because he wants to pour out a generational blessing. Let me prove it to you. Abraham, the Bible says when Abraham tithed, Levi tithed too. Now, who is Levi? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi. And Levi wasn't good either. Levi made his mistakes. And God still blessed him. Isn't it funny how people will always, when God decides to bless you and do something great in your life, they'll bring up your past again? Come on, we, we, we talk about Levi like he's the bad sheep. But, but God still blessed him because he made an agreement with him. And he said, because Abram tithed, it was four generations later that was a blessing to Levi because Abram tithed. And if you start putting God first, it's going to be to your next generation, to your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. God is preparing a new room for you, and you got to get ready because that new room carries some new stuff in there. And you got to understand what you're walking into. you got to understand what you're stepping in. Come on, somebody say, I'm stepping in it you got to step into your new room. you got to step into your new glory. you got to step into your new divine appointment. you got to step into it. And I want you to be here next Sunday because I am going to teach about the next five principles of what every single one of you will receive in your new room. So do not miss out. But I want to pray with you today as we dismiss. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Oh, God, you're good. Come on, I want you to pray with me. God, you're good.
God, you're good. You're just beginning something. Oh, you're stirring something. You're just starting something, God. I like that you're starting something. You're starting something in somebody's life. You're stirring something. You're stirring a curiosity. You're stirring an intrigue. You're stirring a new desire. You're stirring up a hunger. You're stirring up a new direction. And God, I pray that in this new room, we'd have divine appointments. In this new room, God, Lord, there's a, there's a new blessing for us. There's some furniture in this room that we got to understand the lay of the room so that we know what is what we have access to. And I think that there are some tithers in here who have been tithing but don't know what they have access to. And I pray, Lord, that through this next two weeks, they would understand all that they have access to and gain an understanding and a clearer picture of why they tithe and now what they can grab a hold of. And I thank you, Lord, that you are creating more room room come on somebody just pray it right now God make room make more room make more room make more room make more room God make more room my room is getting bigger my room is getting bigger we're going to add more services we're going to expand this sanctuary we're going to get a bigger building and more property why because God's expanding our room he's pushing back the walls we're going to see it spiritually before we see it physically and God is expanding and expanding and expanding and you got to step into that new room with authority and boldness and take an observation moment to look around and see all that God has for you to gain understanding of what you just stepped in because God's got you stepping in something new today. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we're going to receive this.